Joshua from Ask the Child Whisperer, and I am here to offer you some parenting help that is real life for real life kids. Whether you have a mellow kid or super spicy, I'm the coach for you. Let's jump into something that a lot of you, a lot of us have to manage in real time, and those are play date tensions. When something's supposed to be fun and exciting, and yet you find yourself with a kid who's having a really hard time. So I'm going to answer a question that someone emailed in and she asked, what do I do when my girl has a really hard time at a play date? Should I give her one warning and then leave? Should I give her a couple warnings and try to help her out? Aside from that, what do I do with the people who are trying to be helpful in quotes? So play dates are complicated for many reasons, right? There's the kid dynamic then there's the adult dynamic, and they're all happening at the same time. My advice really is dependent on the type of kid you have. So a lot of my coaching is really tailor-made to your child's personality and your own personality because everyone can't coach every kid the same. There's no blanket answer for it. But I'm going to answer this question because I know this child is spicy So when I say a kid is spicy, it means these are kids who are headstrong. Whether they're right or they're wrong, they're headstrong. They go all in either way. All in because they're going to do it their way or they go all in and they're going to become non-compliant. The other thing is I know that this mom is already on edge because her girl has trouble when she's at play dates and social situations get complicated. So this is something that the mom is already entering into with a little bit of dread or anxiety. She's not coming into it completely calm. So do you see how already those variables tell me how to coach this situation? It's very different from a mom who comes in really calm because her kid usually has a good time. So she's handling something unusual. This is when you already perceive, based on past experiences, that this is going to get complicated and tricky. So the first thing is you have to prep your kid so that they are not surprised. So on the car right there, I say, remember, we're going to go play with Joey and Akila. Huh. Just so you don't get surprised, someone's probably going to want to use the toy you're using. Yeah, just so you're not surprised, somebody's probably going to have a different idea than you do. So already I'm setting the child up with acknowledging and accepting that differences of opinions or play styles are going to happen. So I would not go in with everyone's going to have a good time. Oh, everyone's so happy to see you. Oh, you're going to have so much fun with your friends. Because for a kid who has social challenges, that does not help them. They know how to be happy. They just don't know how to navigate surprises and discomfort. So I have to speak to those negatives so that they feel like, yes, I knew this was going to come up. Yes, this is not unusual. Yes, mommy told me this was going to happen. So on the drive there, I'm acknowledging that differences of opinions, play styles, wanting to have their toy, all these things may come up and that they're supposed to come up because that's what happens when kids play together. So once I get to the play date, I, it de- again, it depends. If you are friends with the people that you are having the play date with and in friends, you know, let's define that as well. 
Friends means people that are comfortable enough to know a little bit of behind the scenes of what you're coaching your child on. These are not people who are going to feel sorry for your child. These are people who can receive the information and be part of your coaching team. So those people like QN, hey, to just so you know, she's working on not being surprised by differences of play ideas. So already that parent knows, oh, so if I hear a hiccup or there's a big commotion, more than likely that's at the core of it. And this mom is on top of it. So that means she's not going to jump in to try to save. She's more than likely going to sit back and watch how you coach so she can be supportive. So the reason why I say you have to let your team, your village know is because then everyone is on the same team. This is the same if you have a hitter or a biter. Everyone, just so you know, we are working on not hitting. We're working on not using our hands. So you are already saying, I'm not in denial. I know that my kid is a handful in this situation and I'm on top of it. It makes everyone else feel relieved, but more importantly, it gives them something to work with. Something to work with. So again, you're prepping your kid on the drive there. When you get there, you may not want to do what people normally do is rush their kid into play. Oftentimes, an observation period is actually better because your your child can wrap their mind around the toys that are available, the people that are playing, how people are playing with those materials, if they're taking turns or if someone's just using one thing exclusively. So oftentimes when we, our instinct is to rush our kids to get into play with other kids, for a kid who isn't that socially savvy, they're gonna have snafus relatively early because they don't have enough information to work with, right? This for them is complicated. So if you can give them some sort of planning time, it will work to their advantage. So let's say you've done all this and next thing you know, there's a howl and a scream. And of course, your kid is at the center of it. You can pull your child aside. Two options. You can pull your child aside and say, oh, did that thing happen? Did someone have a different idea? So again, I'm reminding them this wasn't actually a surprise that we knew something like this was going to happen. So it serves to just calm them and center them. And then I may give a suggestion. Hey, let's go back and try again without the screaming part. I can help you. So that means, okay, you've tried the screaming part. Let's save it. Let's save it for later. So I'm not telling you not to scream. I'm not telling you not to grab. I'm not telling you not to hit. I'm telling you, let's save that and let's try something different. So When you tell a child that, they don't feel completely naked and disarmed. They feel like you kind of get why they got to that place, right? So when a child feels you're going into the dark with them, that you're relating with their worst possible fear coming true, they are more likely to want to hear your suggestion. So when you do go back, I explain to everyone, oh, hold on, she wants to do this again. So you see how you reset the stage to be a do-over? So many of you are wondering, yeah, but what about the kid who got yelled at, the kid who got hit? You can coach that, but I don't coach that first. The reason why I don't coach this first is because I want to empower both children to have a voice. I do not want to create 
the go-to pattern of someone's a bully and someone's a victim. And therefore it imprints in everyone's mind. Ooh, this is a powerful kid. Oh, this is the kid who anyone can do anything with. So when I do a do-rover, I then say, well, hold on, let's give this thing back to Akilah. Now ask Akilah for it again. Now remember Akilah, you can say yes, no, or maybe later. So do you see how I'm coaching this other child to have time to think about what they want to say? Because it may be too terrifying to say no to this kid, but maybe later may be something attainable for them. I'm also reminding my child that there are three different options you may hear, three different responses. And so I need them to slow down enough to hear each one and figure out what to do afterwards. Most of the time, kids who are very nervous socially assume they are going to get a no. And so they act out in response to what's in their head without even giving another chance, a child a chance to respond or to offer a different solution. So because you stop the playing, you say, can we do a do-over? You're allowing everyone's voice to be heard in a safe way. Now, that's one option. Another option is the big scuffle happens and it's so intense and you yourself are so triggered and embarrassed that you don't know what to do. So oftentimes fleeing the scene seems like the thing to do, but you need practice. So leaving situations doesn't help your child learn what to do instead. So it may teach them to learn to stop hitting because they connect the dots. Oh, I hit, I have to leave. It doesn't mean they're gonna magically know what to do instead of hitting, right? They're probably gonna come up with another negative response. So you're, they need practice learning how to be successful, what to say or do instead. So if you are overwhelmed, you're triggered, you can go somewhere else and just say, you know what, that was a big surprise. Hold on, let me think about it. Hold on, let me think about it means you don't need to have all the answers in that moment. It also means that your child is removed from the intensity of that situation in that one spot with that toy, and it allows them to also come down a couple notches. So if both of you are a little less triggered, a little bit less reactive, you have a little bit more, you're more resourceful in that moment. So Pulling away doesn't mean that you're not going to plug back in. It just means you're going to plug back in at a more neutral place, as neutral as you can be. So say you plug your kid back in, they do a do-over and it works well. Now you're in this awkward place like, oh, people are going to ask me about it. So remember, your kid's details, their private life is their own private life. It's their story to share. And so unlike social media, I often tell people, be mindful about how much you share to other people because information is a gift. And some people may misuse the gift, meaning they share with the wrong people or they overshare in front of your child with an earshot. So be very mindful. If you do feel you need to say something, I always prefer people to couch it as a phase that we're coaching. So yes, oh, you know what? She got overwhelmed. We are working on how to handle a different game idea when we're on play dates. So I'm very specific about what I'm coaching. 
I don't go into, oh, she's really hard-headed. She never listens. Oh, he gets overwhelmed when there's 25 kids. Because the more information you give in a kind of a stressed state, you may not present the full picture of your child or a fair picture of your child. So just a really, really small and specific to the situation at hand. We're working on surprises when we're on play dates and the surprises are someone uses a toy she thought was available for everyone. Or, oh, when people change the idea of the game really quickly. We're working on her managing that surprise of going with the flow or of asking people, can you play my idea one more minute before we change it? So that feels manageable to you, but you can also end the conversation quicker. It doesn't become you're, you're circling the drain with, oh, and then she did this at home and then she did that. If you feel that this is a person that will give you a nurtured response, meaning supportive and positive, great. But if it's someone who's gonna create more stress, I would rather you not continue the conversation because should it happen again, more most of your mind and energy is going to be focused on how this adult is perceiving this interaction and very little of what your attention is going to is coaching your child interact more efficiently in uncomfortable situations. And I guess I'll end with, yes, there are times where you do have to leave the play date early. You leave the play date early, not because you're punishing your child. It's because you're trying to connect the dot. When you pull hair, it makes the play date end. So pulling hair does not get more play time. Talking gets you more play time. Negotiating gets you more play time. Waiting a turn gets you more play time. But pulling hair makes everything stop. So I'm connecting the dots and I need a child to see that connection because they're just not getting it. So say your child is pulling hair or hitting people and you've been coaching, coaching, coaching. So option one is, you know what? You're using your hand. Come sit on my lap. We're going to watch the game. We're going to watch to see what exactly the pirate game is or let's see exactly how the foxes are getting food from their mama or let's see how they're paving the road how are these dinosaurs moving these forklifts that is an annoying pause right they'll say but i want to play and i said right but you were pulling hair so we're going to wait here until you're ready to do the dinosaur stuff not the hair pulling stuff So having them sit with you until they are uncomfortable, until they're like, why am I here? I want to play. At that point is when you know they're connected the dots. You are here because you were pulling hair instead of being a dinosaur. Right? Then you let them sit with that for a little bit. And then they're like, then I say, do you see? Talking will get you more play. Pulling hair will, you're here with mom. So then I'm, actually able to connect the dot for them. If they post, that's option A. If you feel like you have been coaching it for a while and it's falling on deaf ears, then probably the problem is you haven't connected the dots for them clearly enough. You're saying, well, then we're going to leave, but then you chat for 10 minutes with another parent to give them the heads up. Or we're going to leave, but then someone comes in that's helpful and quotes, no, 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 don't leave. Let her try again. So then your child doesn't really see the clear connection. 
So one step of removal is sitting on your lap, but narrate the play. So when your child goes back in, they're successful plugging back in. Um, the other part is, oh, you're choosing to pull hair. It's time for us to go. And on the ride home, you're not nagging. What you say on the ride home is, yeah, it was really tricky. You know what? We'll just take a break and we'll try again next time. So if you give it a positive spin, remember your kid is going to plug into that same play date or their idea that it's similar to that previous experience with positive energy. If you come down hard and you're really negative, when in doubt, when they get nervous, they're going to go to what they remember doing, which is the negative thing. So play dates are tricky. But it's about proactively coaching your child before they get in there, sharing what your goal is, which with whomever is there, whatever adult may intercede or step in or want to, in quotes, help. And the other part is figuring out, so what is my go-to? Am I leaning on the do-over? Am I leaning on removing and narrating play? Or am am I at the level of, oh, it has to be, Um, more swift and more clear. Oh, you chose to pull hair. This is too tricky. We're going to go now. So there is no wrong or right, but it's about having clarity about how you're supporting your child before you go in, being very realistic about what they can do. So a lot of times for these kids who aren't really great at playdates, the playdates go on too long. And so the longer they go, it's they no longer are thriving, they are surviving. So when games stop and a new game restarts and a game stops and a new game restarts, your child is exhausted. Where a typical kid can kind of ride the waves of all these transitions. But if if your child is really younger as far as social skills, this is just, re- it's like they're do- running a marathon with cement shoes on. So I wouldn't have them do a three and a half hour play date. You have to end on a good note so that they remember the strategies they employed that actually were successful. So I hope this is helpful. There's a lot of parts. um, And I think you're supposed to have a lot of parts, right? Because depending on who your kid is, you have to have various options about how to help them navigate social situations. So again, Thanks for joining me and letting me talk your ear off about all things kids. Um, And this is kind of a peek at what the other episodes will be like. Sometimes there will be stories that I can relay the message through. Other times I will be reading directly from emails that I get. And sometimes I'll just be expressing interest or curiosity about topics or trends that are happening in the world of parenting. Uh, So you just kind of see what it's like for me when I think this through, when I'm coaching clients or even as a mom thinking through, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to shift some of my own techniques with my own kids? So I hope all of you have a great rest of the day. And again, if you have any questions or comments about what you heard, feel free to reach out at info at askthechildwhisperer.com or DM me on Instagram at askthechildwhisperer. Have a great rest of the day again. Bye.